0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> People are awesome. I totally didn't think anyone would do that the first service either you did. (laughs) I love people. Hey, what makes you happy? That's what we're talking about. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. We want to welcome you to Northgate. Our mission is to uh, become wholehearted followers of Jesus, and this is one of the ways we do it. So if you're in Vallejo, you're online, or you're with us here at the Benicia campus, uh, glad you're here and a part of this conversation. uh, For week two about what makes you happy, we have been using a book Um, out of the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, It's a guy named Paul that wrote it. He actually wrote a lot of the New Testament, and it was letters to churches and to people specifically um, that he wrote that about, and that's really what we learn, and we see how God moves and uh, really teaches us actually um, more the Gentiles, people who weren't um, Jewish, um, really how to live and who God is in that way. And um, this book that we've been using in Philippians is actually, well, Paul is in jail, so it's kind of counterintuitive if you think about it. Um, he writes and teaches us the most about what makes us happy and how to be happy and joyful while in jail. So a lot of us would think like that would be like the antithesis of my happy moments in life, but we learn and we glean a lot from that. And we're going to dig back into that just a little bit today as we continue. Um, the other thing that we've been using is this definition I'm using a definition uh, that's a little clunky, but it's what we're going to be working through uh, for this entire six-week series, and that is that happiness, or to be happy, is the experience of joy, contentment, or positive well-being combined with a sense that one's life is good, meaningful, and worthwhile. Say that seven times fast. It's not worth your time, but (laughs) let me say it one more time. The experience of joy, contentment, or positive well-being combined with a sense of That one's life is good, meaningful, and worthwhile. This is um, a definition that kind of is a broad one that kind of attacks people where they're at. And uh, we use this as a measurable, these types of things as measurables uh, in our happiness. But here's my one question to start off with. If you're with us online or Vallejo or here, um, ask yourself, who's the one person that could affect this? Who's the one person that could kill or destroy or take away or damage your opportunity to feel joy and contentment and to be positive and have a sense that your life is good, meaningful and worthwhile? Who's that person that come in like a thief and steal that from you? If you think about it, we all have the same exact answer. It's the person that you look at every day in the mirror, you, you Can be the thief of your own happiness. You can be the biggest uh, person that undermines what it is that makes you happy. We say it with this vernacular um, I am my own worst enemy. Sound familiar? So true for so many people. I am my own worst enemy. And the bad news today, I'm just gonna get right to it in this happy talk, (laughs) is that it's true. You're your own worst enemy. You've done more to undermine, um, to take away from uh, your own happiness uh, in your lifetime um, than really anyone else has or has the power to be because in reality, you've been there for every moment. You are the common denominator uh, in your life when it comes to your own happiness. And that's something that to a degree you have control of. And here's how I know, because you bought it. You leased it, you ate it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, you slept with it, and some of you married it. (laughs) Some of you are laughing too hard. (laughs) You did this to yourself. You're the common denominator in every event in your life. And as much as we want to blame other people for taking away from our happiness, we're the ones who have been there for every Uh, moment that has uh, been difficult for us when it comes to uh, having joy and contentment. And we have been um, walking through uh, a chart, and we're going to keep using this chart. There's been a lot of studies. It's like the big conversation I feel like lately is like finding happiness. You know, years ago it was like, what's my purpose? And now it's, how do I find happiness? And what makes me happy? And what can make me feel happy? And so this is a pie of 100% happiness. Um, It's broken up into a couple things. Circumstances, which is actually the most common one for us, actually only equates for about 10% of what makes us happy. Which this is usually where we live. Isn't it crazy to think that we live in the 10% most of the time? Circumstances is only 10% of what truly makes us happy is what they found. Um, About 40% or 50% of it is just who you are. Um, that's like the way you are. Uh, you guys have met that person where they're like, You're a freak. You are always happy. Like, I don't understand. You're like a weirdo. And then you have the opposite, and we're like, You're a grump. You're like a mean person all the time. Are you ever happy? Like, <laughs> and that's just your set point. That counts for about 50% of it. So, beyond there, it's circumstances. And this 40% is intentionality. What are you doing to take part in your happiness? Or, or what is your uh, decision-making um, when it comes to uh, your intentionality about being content, joyful, happy, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're going to focus today a little bit on 10%, but mostly on this intentionality about how to find deep, meaningful happiness. And the first thing, if you want to find deep, meaningful happiness, is don't rely on circumstances. Get away from the 10 Stay away from the 10%. Don't rely on your circumstances. Circumstances change every day. I could have relied on my circumstances today that I had to get up by myself this morning at 5.30 in the morning and get three kids ready and bring them to church with me because my wife was out of town. I could choose to be angry and upset and tired. But I am happy. (laughs) Because we have an excellent children's ministry and... Uh, Don't rely on your circumstances. Circumstances change every single day. They change for good and they change for bad. And really, where really we can get into a lot of trouble is it's when um, our identity gets wrapped up in it. Our identity can get wrapped up in our circumstances. Paul, this is in this book where he's in jail. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's saying, hey, the circumstances the situation is I'm in jail. But I'm not going to rely on me being in jail right now as whether or not it's going to make me happy or to do anything or um, to to feel like I have purpose and contentment. He continues on and he says, Through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. These are just circumstances. I know that there's going to be a different circumstance and a different time. And in the midst of this circumstance, I'm not going to allow it to affect my purpose who I am, and what God is to me in my life. We can get our identity wrapped up in the good and the bad. We can get our identity wrapped up in how successful we are. We can get our identity wrapped up on whether or not we're able to have children, our singleness, our school. We can get our identity wrapped up in our circumstances, and it can be detrimental to our own joy and contentment in our life. And God really wants us to be happy. He wants it for us. He wants us to take off the weight Circumstances, And again, like I showed you, we've learned that it's only about 10%. Who wants to live in the 10 when you can enjoy the rest of it, right? So don't rely on your circumstance. In reality, the weight is really just too much for any of us to carry, especially when it gets crazy out there, when the waves start coming and it's nonsense. Um, but at the same time, it's just good to know somebody else is in the boat with you. So it's dangerous if we let our happen- what happens to us determine our happiness. The second thing, to have meaningful happiness when it comes to you and what you're responsible for, is avoid comparisons. I'm going to spend some time in this one. I could spend a couple weeks in this one. We have this disease. I have it too. I thought you'd grow out of it, but uh, I've never seen anyone grow out of that disease, this disease of comparisons. It is, as this one, this guy, I don't know who he was, Theodore Roosevelt said, Comparison is the thief of joy. How true is that? Comparison is the thief of joy. Um, uh, if you don't have kids, you've seen kids, you know kids, and they're like, hey, you guys want some like ice cream or dessert? You get to pick between the Popsicle and ice cream. And then it's like a comparison. Which one's better or which one gets more? Is a great picture situation. Dude got a Popsicle and he is not happy about it. He did not know that was ice cream was going to be gigantic. I don't think he has much joy in eating his popsicle right now. It has been stolen from him by vanilla. <laughs> uh, that's like how we. Keep, that's how we look at a lot of things. It's like we look around and be like, "Am I okay?" Um, I uh, I love going. T- um, to uh, eat as a staff or a group, we have a wonderful team here, as Jesse said, and uh, I, I specifically love um, going out with my friend, Vanessa Zimmerman, you saw her up earlier. She has an issue when it comes to ordering and then um, food envy or order regret um, in the room, and I poke at it. I, like, love it. I don't want to tell her what I'm getting. I, like, put, being like, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, yeah, you don't want to miss out on that. She doesn't, like, literally, she's panicking. I don't know what to get. Then, the best part then is everyone gets their food and she's like looking around and she's trying to be happy about what she got. But she's like, oh, it's good. I'm like, this looks way better than yours. <laughs> like, you should feel horrible. <laughs> yeah, but that's how, that's how we know, that's what we do. We compare like, am I okay? Or can I make this decision? And it really, instead of being happy about your street tacos, you're frustrated you didn't get my chimichanga. And <laughs> you feel like you're missing out. When it comes to comparison, this is really the disease that I think that we have. As we look around and we hold on to what we have, and we look at our life, and we start looking from like side to side, and we ask ourselves, "Am I okay?" And we compare, "Am I okay? What's going on?" And this is the disease of er, the disease of er. We want more er, <laughs> right? We look around. I want more. I also want to be richer, skinnier smarter, taller, prettier, happier, hipper, -er, talented-er, more -er. talented-er. Whatever adjective it is that you want to explain, we put an er on the end of it. And this is like, am I looking around? Am I saying, am I okay? This is what I think I need to be okay. I need that. I need to be this. I need a more er. And then what we do is, it gets kind of gross. We start comparing then our own Ability to compare against other people, or am I comparing myself too much? And does that feel good about how I'm comparing? And then comparison gets really gross when you start hanging out with people and you're like, wow, they're really cool, they're really wonderful, but I'm er, <laughs> I'm awesomer, I'm way better. And then uh, it gets even worse because um, we start looking around, we're like, oh man, people are better than us. And then we start looking at people who are like not as good as us. We start comparing, well, they're heavier. They're slower. Well, their daughter's shorter. They're poorer. They're more nerdier. They're not as nerdier as me. They're just nerdier. Um, and the, like, really gross evil part, from straightforward about this disease, and I've got it too, is you almost start wanting people to fail. Like, you start kind of thinking that. Like, you don't want them to be as good as. And this gets really gross, um, like I can say in my life stage with kids. Um, I know it can be gross in all stage, whether you're single and you're looking at friends with relationships, or you have kids and your kids are in competition, or um, if you're an empty nester and you're looking at kind of what you have, what you're holding on to, and how many trips you're going on. Um, but when you have kids, the competition of dumb games, like we all think we're going to, our kid is truly going to make us rich. <laughs> Uh, or in school, if they're going to be smarter. And, like, we put a lot of our identity in saying, am I okay? And, and we get kind of evil about it because we start kind of wanting them to fail. Like, it can get down to this conversation, you would never say this. I know you would never say this. I, I hope I never say this. But um, the, uh, you know, your friend calls you, and they're like, oh, man, they didn't get into that school. Or they, didn't, they got cut from that team. And then you're like, oh, man, that's horrible. Yes. Because <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Cause your kid got cut last week. <laughs> You're like, feel better. Like they're not better than my kid. Then there's this other group. There's this other group um, that really makes you feel superior than other people, which is gross and it's evil when it comes to comparison. Uh, and then there's this other group, and they're the um, they're the est. They're the est group. There's a small group of the est people. They're the group that really wants to be the richest, the smartest. The happiest, the fastest, the healthiest, the most retweetedest—they're <laughs> the est group. This is really what this is—is is, is it's just really just you holding on to stuff and looking around and constantly saying, "Am I okay? Am I okay? Am I happy? Am I content? Or is there something else?" I'm comparing myself to other people. I had neighbors growing up to that were in constant competition with each other. They constantly were in competition for stuff, right? I had uh, a neighbor, he got a pool table. And three weeks later, two doors down, the neighbor, they got a pool table. And it was way nicer. They're like, come check out our pool table. I was like, all right, I'll come check out your pool table. Then uh, it was like sometime later, dude got a truck. Four weeks later, other guy got a cooler truck. Like they were in constant competition. They had pools in their backyard. One guy got rid of his diving board and got a slide. Other guy, like six weeks later, says, Come over, man. I got rid of my diving board and I got like a rock slide. <laughs> was, I was loving it personally, but um, <laughs> what do you, you should really get something better. <laughs> oh, man. They were never happy though. They were constantly in this toil of chasing things. And the danger is that when we start uh, living in that place, um, and a lot of us have, and maybe we've lived there for too long of the earth. Um, you you begin to dislike yourself because then you start telling yourself, I I just know I'll never measure up. I know I'm never going to be good enough. You know you'll never be blank as them. Therefore, most of us just won't be happy because we're trapped in comparison. There's this really famous smart guy In fact, he was the wisest man on earth. Um, And if there's a book I was going to tell you to read about wisdom in the Bible, it'd be in the Old Testament. It's called Ecclesiastes. There's a guy named Solomon. Wisest guy. Um, Great book to read on wisdom. Like some stuff that you're just like, that makes sense. How did he know that back then? And it's like living in my life. Right now, But this guy, he's, he's having a conversation. People, kings, everyone come sit at his feet to listen to his wisdom. And it was just simple, simple wisdom. And he talked about this uh, in the fourth chapter in verse 8. Just one verse. I'm going to give you a quick little story about this whole comparison thing. Um, he, he mentioned that there was a man alone. All alone, he had neither son nor brother. And so we don't know if this is a a parable, a made-up story, um, just for the analogy or or what this is, or if he knows this person. But what he's doing is he's setting up the context that this man alone didn't have brother or son, uh, which means that he didn't have anyone to give his stuff to. So like when he passed away, he had no passing down the line, no one to give his inheritance to and keep it going. And it said, uh, there was no end to his toil, Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He was like I many of us. He was constantly just looking around, being like, am I okay? Am I okay? No, I need to do that. No, I need to be better this. This needs to be bigger. That circumstance needs to be better than theirs. Uh, constantly toiling over uh, comparison. And specifically, he's mentioning, yet his eyes weren't content with his wealth. So I'm grinding harder than that, comparing like, they have more. They have more. I need to get more. But he didn't have anyone to leave these things to. So the man said to himself, For whom am I toiling? He asked, And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Have you ever thought about that? Just like when you're just, it usually happens when you're just like dog tired (laughs) and you're just grinding away. And you ask yourself, Why am I doing this? I'm like missing out on the present. I'm missing out on the things right in front of me. I'm missing out on just enjoying what I have and who I am, and who God made me to be. Even what little maybe there be left of it, or abundance there is in this particular season in your life. So Solomon said, this too is meaningless. It's a miserable business, comparison is. It's miserable, so just don't do it. If I was going to give you one uh, phrase to sum this idea up for you to take with you it is there's no win in comparison there's no win in comparison like I said we could talk about this for weeks because we all have this gross disease and we got to figure out how to deal with it but there's no win in comparison you write that down on a card and put it somewhere put it on your desk or some of us need to put it in our car when we're driving around in our beater <laughs> you're looking at them and being like oh, I want to have." oh there's no win in comparison that didn't make me feel any better it just doesn't right? There's no win in comparison. Uh, And the third and final thing as I uh, wrap this conversation up today is to be fully engaged in life. Be fully engaged in life. That's where happiness comes from. Have you... um, have you ever like found yourself in that moment where you're just like you're part of something that's a little challenging, you feel like you're making a difference, you're like working away at it, or you're just fully engaged in it, and you feel like time just flew by and you're like, Whoa, how did it get to be that time? Whoa, I missed lunch. Whoa, like, how did it get so late? You guys should have been in bed a cool minute ago, right? It's because you're fully engaged in that. Fully engaged in life brings you happiness. Fully engaged helps you avoid circumstance, and comparison. Fully engaged, I liken it to a, a runner in a race. Since we're talking about runners, let me talk about myself, because obviously, I'm a runner. <laughs> yeah, drink it in. <laughs> believe it or not, three years ago, I ran a half marathon. Um, I didn't believe it either. Um, it almost killed me. Uh, I know exactly how long it was. It was 13.1 miles uh, that one was bad. Uh, and uh, I was fully engaged into it. I remember that's how I was going to accomplish this. thing. Like, I, was, I was there. I was in that race. I was present. I was running. I got through eight miles, and I was like, headspace, it's own. Like, I'm actually going to do this. I was like engaged in what was happening, what was going on. And what happened was, is I started getting distracted. I started thinking <laughs> that was where I went wrong. I lost the flow of being fully engaged. And I started thinking about, what started hurting? Does this feel okay? When's the next mile coming up? I started paying attention to the time. Um, and then uh, it was just getting bad. Like, it was getting real bad. And I got to, like, near the end. They had, like, a, a station where they'll, like, spray you with some biofreeze. And I was just like, get it done. <laughs> spray me down, Lord. I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> so... I kept going. I got down to, like, the last mile, and I literally got so, like, out of this This is how comparison was killing me. I was looking around at other people wondering, am I the last one out here? And uh, thinking, you know, I can't do this. My circumstance, my calf is killing me, all these things. I'm just not going to be able to do it. And uh, I remember I even then uh, got out my phone and texted my friend Jesse and my wife, and I was like, I can't do this. And they're like, you can do it. And then you're, like, crying. You're like, I couldn't get back in the zone until I could, like, see the finish. And whoop, got fully back engaged. I passed the line. There was nobody even there to congratulate me. They were gone. <laughs> They're like, they all left an hour ago. <laughs> but I did. I was fully engaged for that, for that moment. Happiness comes with being fully engaged. For those first eight miles, I was happy. <laughs> um, I have, uh, for some of you, um, it's crazy the time that you were gifted and given um, when you're just present, um, when like things like you put away your phone, this isn't for everybody. But I did this almost a year ago. I got on Facebook. Uh, I couldn't control it myself as far as being present. So this isn't you. But my allowable input wasn't giving me a, my desired output when it came to be fully engaged. And for me, this is for me. Much some of you are much better at controlling this. I was tired of people or my kids. Um, wanting to get my attention and it looking like this. What? Uh, and, or just, it was distracted by nonsense because I wasn't fully engaged. I found the gift of time I never knew I had. Um, by just getting rid of one thing and deciding, I'm going to be fully engaged in this, the happiness that has surrounded me in moments of just being and sitting, being fully engaged in what you do, whether it's playing a board game with someone, whether it's being the, the right job that you're at, brings tremendous. Happiness, with friends being completely present on a walk, experience and abiding in God brings happiness when you can stop and be fully engaged and actually notice the sunset. I moved to Cordelia a couple years ago out of Venetia. I never knew and appreciated the water as much as I do now when I come to work. I was like, wow, I forgot that was there because I suddenly became fully engaged uh, or non present to what I'd been surrounded by all of the time. So friends, if you want to find happiness in that, find what's called the flow. It's doing something and being fully engaged in it that's challenging, that's refreshing, um, that you feel like you're making a difference and you're a part of something. And in that, being fully engaged in life will make you happier. I am going to ask you um, this week, try, try not to just lean in and let your circumstances um, be your identity. It's so tough. It's, it's so tough. I've been in the good, and I've been in the miserable. And we don't even need to compare a miserable. <laughs> I could give you a long list, but it's just what I'm making it be. Don't speak it and let it be your identity. Let Christ be the circumstance. And friends, this week... Try really hard not to do this. Am I okay? Am I okay? And just look up and say, make me okay. Make me okay. Because you're a good, good father. And I'm loved by you. And that's good enough. Because that's who you are. I could sing the whole song right now, but I won't. (laughs) And the next verse is... (laughs) Uh, and be fully engaged. Just be present. Try it for like a day. Ask yourself, Do I? Am I like? And in, in, in maybe you'll find that there's some things maybe you need to cut out. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. You can't cut your kids out, but maybe it's um, some <laughs> your mother-in-law. I don't know. You're so loved. Uh, I'm going to ask that uh, if you're with us in our video or online or just here in the room, would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you as we finish today. Maybe you're here today and you struggle with one of those things. Maybe, it, you know, God's kind of stern on you and being like, hey, I want you to be more present. Maybe if you did that and got in the flow a little bit, you might like, hear me. Some of you are are just lost in circumstances. Your identity is wrapped up in that circumstance, and that's not who you are. It's excellent and it's horrible. But it's temporary. It's much easier for me to say that from up here, I know. But maybe this week you just need to surrender that to God and say, I'm not gonna have my identity be wrapped up in my circumstances in my singleness, in my parenting, in my house, in my car. For some of you, you just need to stop staring at everybody else to get satisfaction to knowing whether you're okay or not. Stop comparing yourself to everyone. Stop allowing it to be the thief of your joy and your happiness. If that meets someone in this room today or in Vallejo there, there's someone that's standing up there that's going to be there for you and watch you as you raise your hands, I'm going to ask that, as with everyone's heads bowed, if, if, if I could pray for you as you just release some of those things or you just step into that and say, yes, God, I'm going to engage myself. Yes, God, I'm going to give that to you. Yes, God, I'm going to allow you to be a good, good father. Just be loved by you yes, God, I will receive happiness. With everyone's heads bowed here and online and Vallejo, would, would you look up and raise your hand at me if that's you, if I could just pray for you, if you need to give one of those things or be one of those things? Yeah, lots of those. I'm sure in the other room as well. Yeah. God, would your love just overflow into these places? Would you just fill our hearts with Boldness and courage for some of us that need to just let go of things. Even if it's just for a few hours, just a few what it feels like to take that weight off that's so heavy to carry. God, would you give us the boldness and courage to be fully present. To abide in you, to be with other people as you made us to be relationally, and lovingly. And God, to know that we're enough, would you help us shred up this trap of comparison? If you're in the room or if you're in Vallejo there too, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the love, joy, peace, kindness in life that comes with Jesus. That he is the one that wants to take these things. He is the good, good father. He did send his son to die for you, for me, today, now, and here. Some of you, this is old hat. You're like, this is the same dead end I run into all the time. Doggone. Well, today, why don't you give it over to him? Let him make those dead things alive because that's why he came here. That's more important than your happiness. And through that, you will be happy, trust me. Happier, joy, hope. So if you're here today, maybe for the first time, you just need to say yes to Jesus and say, I can't do this thing. I need to let you go and drive the car. Not mine, God, but yours. It's your life now. I can't, I obviously can't do it. And you can't. I can't either. But if that's you here today and you're here today, if you're in Vallejo, I'm going to ask you the same thing with everyone's heads bowed. And you want to make that decision today? I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand and look at me and look at the campus host there so they can just see you where you're at as you say yes to Jesus and just give your life to Him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So God... We thank you for your grace, your abundant grace. And we love you, and we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship, located in Venetia, California.